Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is with Pat Letts, a former runner at the University of Nebraska. We discussed how he ended up coming to Nebraska from Illinois, deciding to tackle the triathlon, upcoming goals for the marathon, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Pat Letts. Pat Letts, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Hi, good to be here. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I begin every conversation by asking the guest about their most recent run. Uh, what was the, the most recent run? How many miles? What was the goal? How did it go for you? Um, just finished a little bit ago, nine miles after work. Uh, goal was easy run after a workout yesterday. And also to uh, nab a local segment and uh, achieved on all counts. Nice. You can check all the boxes. How You're a few days removed from uh, a half marathon PR in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. It seems like your body is holding up incredibly well. You just mentioned that you had a workout. Uh, what was what was that race like for you? And how do you think that you're you're doing in the recovery period? Uh, yeah, that, that race went well. And it's it's weirdly felt the uh, the freshest I've ever felt after a half marathon, despite it being the, like the fastest I've ever run by far. That was a two minute PR for me. Um, so yeah, feeling really good. Had a workout yesterday was, um, a little bit lighter than a normal Wednesday workout, but it was still a good amount of work and felt really good through it. So happy with, uh, how I'm feeling after the race for sure. Why do you think your body's been able to recover so well after this one? Um, I think a couple of factors are that, um, I did the race fairly conservatively. Like I didn't try to go out super hard and then blow up. So I didn't have like terrible mechanics in the final couple miles as I was dying. I also didn't get any calf cramps, which was a major issue for me in a lot of my races. Um, so I, I think those factors just helped me feel a lot better. It like closing, closing faster too, just makes it feel like, Oh, I had a little bit more to give. So body just feels better. I wanted to ask you about those calf cramps and I was going to do it later, but I'll just do it now. Cause after Chicago last year, one of the things that you wrote was you said onto the next one, ready to rip a low two twenties. Once I figure out this cramping mm-hmm. thing, how, how do you feel like that process has gone? That was a year ago in Chicago. How do you feel like that process has gone for you as you have tried to attack that thing and, and try to, you know, improve upon it in future races? Uh, hasn't gone that well. I don't know. It's, it's hard to figure out. I've seen a PT. I've talked to my coach and talked to a nutritionist, um, just trying to figure out what the, the issue could be. We thought it could just be maybe that I had weaker calves. So I did a lot of lifting in the gym, um, for my legs and especially calves. Cause I, after Chicago, I actually did Houston in January. So a lot of lifting before that still got calf cramps. Um, okay. Maybe it's a salt thing. Started taking more like uh, salt pills and magnesium pills before the race, um, got calf cramps in uh, May or March or April, whenever I did the, the Indy mini marathon. Um, so I hadn't really solved anything until a nutritionist a couple months ago told me, even though you're taking salt pills, you can really up how many you're, you take the, the week leading up to the day before and the morning of you can take uh, like, even five to five or six salt and magnesium pills before a race. So I did that before the race and I didn't get, get calf cramps. Did that solve it? I don't know, but it solved it for that race. So I'm planning to do that in uh, upcoming races. 
obviously this is something like physically that that has affected you during races what what has this been like for you mentally as this is something that you have obviously wanted to improve upon uh and and i i assume just like kind of get past and put it in the rear view yeah uh it's tough mentally especially after a race like going up to the race i i have to believe that i've done everything i can to negate the problem like before chicago i put i was wearing like calf sleeves i put biofreeze on my calves before the race i was taking pills so before the race i was i had to tell myself that it wasn't going to be an issue and then it's an issue in the race and then after the race it just feels like i've wasted the last three months of 90 100 mile weeks um yeah it's definitely tough after a race even though chicago was a somewhat good race for me um but races like houston and grandma's marathon are a lot more tougher mentally to put all that training in and to just not have my body let me finish the race yeah 100 percent. so uh cards on the table i've been following you for about a year now because you uh you did a race write up on reddit after chicago mm-hmm. last year and the thing that that jumped out to me early on is you mentioned that you ran at nebraska i'm also a nebraska grad i'm just a little bit older than you. I want to talk about college in a few minutes, but let's go all the way back. What, what do you remember about why you started running in the first place when you were growing up? Um, my dad was a runner. Uh, he still is actually when he's not, he's always dealing with injuries now that he's getting a little bit older. Uh, so that definitely inspired me. And then, um, I just always had a, like a knack for it. I remember way back in like the gym class miles, I was always trying to win those. Um, and then, when I went to middle school, they had cross country and track and I did pretty well there. So that's just sort of what fed me along to high school and then college and post collegiate running. Was, was your dad a runner in college as well? Or was it just something that he did, you know, like as an amateur, Um, you know, just enjoyed doing the races? He was in high school. He like ran in state and everything. And then I think the college he went to didn't have um, a track team. So he didn't do it, but then he, he picked it back up later, like in his, 30s and 40s started doing more road races and then just continued on since then did you find yourself to have like some natural talent and and curiosity and you know seeing how good you could be at a a pretty young age or like when you first started getting into running uh yeah definitely um like I, i remember in the gym class miles i was always i would always be like first or second in those so i just figured i had a sort of a gift for it and then in even going on into middle school, I was as a sixth grader, I was running like on the conference team and everything. So I, fi- I figured I'd be, I was good enough at it to keep going along. And I don't know, why not? <laughs> yeah. And you grew up in Illinois, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm you, from you, uh, South Suburbs of Chicago. So at what point in that process then? You know, you're finding the success. You're you're having success in the in the gym mile, etc. At what point does it become something where you're realizing, like, wow, this this could actually be be something really special for me, and it could go beyond even middle and high school. Um, well, when I first realized it was kind of special was the first cross country camp I did for the high school. Um, I did that going into eighth grade, but the high school still had us like the younger kids come and join it too. And I really liked the coach, really liked the training. So then once I got to high school, I just continued to love it. And then, yeah, as I just continued to progress, it didn't even really occur to me to, that I could like just stop running. I, I just figured that was a natural progression. I'm, I'm doing it in high school. I'm doing good enough. Why not continue to do it in college? So it wasn't really a thought process. It was just something that I'm doing. So I'm going to keep doing it. 
What was the balance like? And I've asked this of a few college runners. What was the balance like of enjoying running because like you just liked it versus enjoying running because you were talented at it? Like, how do, how do you think that that balanced out for you at that age? Yeah, I because I know that's a huge issue in collegiate athletes and my especially in, I feel like in D1, there's a lot of burnout um, just because kids are talented. So they have to do it. Uh, I wasn't on an uh, athletic scholarship, so I feel like I didn't have as much pressure that I was forced to keep doing it in that I, I was doing it for free. So I feel like I was doing it for the love of the sport. I loved going to races, traveling with the team, going to practice, like running with all my all my friends. So I didn't really feel as much of a a major pressure that maybe some kids feel. And I didn't really get as burnt out as I know some others feel as well. And maybe that's just because I wasn't good enough to get a scholarship for it. <laughs> Interesting. So why Nebraska then? Why, why did you, you go there? Cause I would assume if you can run at a D one school like that, that you, you probably could have gone somewhere else with a scholarship, right? At a, like a lower level school. Yeah, probably. Um, I didn't talk to that many coaches cause I was mainly just trying to get an education. That was my number one goal. And then goal two was to also run for a college and Nebraska had the allure of the big 10. I would, I'd be able to run at a big 10 school. Uh, it was also the cheapest college to go to, which was a huge factor. <laughs> um, and the coach, he did a really good job recruiting me. He just made me feel really wanted. So it was all those combined, but yeah, de- definitely the allure of running at a big 10 school was good to have. What's that recruitment process then like for a for a, a walk on you know runner? What what is that wh- like? When does that begin? Um, and and how did that go for you when you were still in high school? Yeah, a lot of it was me reaching out to coaches for the schools I was applying to because I, I would get some letters from um, I want to say lower level D one schools who of coaches who were trying to recruit me, but I was trying to go more toward because I was trying to get an engineering degree, so I was looking at a lot of Big Ten schools. So that was a lot of me reaching out to coaches, seeing what they were interested in. Uh, some of them blew me off. Some of them, some of them talked to me and said I could be a walk on. Um, but uh, the Nebraska coach, he really, he was the one who made me feel wanted by far the most. He was like, "Yeah, you could really be a good part of the team. You could be really useful here." Whereas some of the other coaches were just saying, "Well, you know, we're looking for 800 runners to, for our cross country team," which doesn't even make sense to me. Um, but yeah, he just did a really good job at uh, making me feel wanted. You ran a you ran a PR in high school, um, and you only had one shoe on for the last two miles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How, okay. How does that happen? And like, what do you remember about that? Because uh, I mean, that's just like a, a it has to be a wild story. Yeah. Uh, state meet uh, in Illinois. You go out and make a really sharp turn around a tree. So there's a huge pinch at about half mile into the race. And apparently at some part, some part of that pinch, some kid just clipped the back of my shoe. So, uh, my spike like slid down underneath my heel. So it was still on for a little bit, but it's just like how you just jam your foot into a shoe. You know, it's not going to stay on if you're trying to run fast. So for about half a mile, I could feel it slipping. I, I tried to stop it. I stopped for about five seconds in the state meet race, which is insane to think about. And I was trying to like flip it, the back back up but I had tied it so tight that I had no wiggle room at all. So I was just like, all right, screw it. I'm, I'm just going to keep running. And then it just kept wiggling on my foot. So I was like, all right, I'm screw this. I'm just kicking it off. I can run better with a bare foot on one foot. I feel like, so 
yeah, final two miles of that race, I just ran a barefoot, uh, crossed the line, was very upset <laughs> at how it had went, but still managed to run a good enough time, I guess. <laughs> Yo, do you remember what place you finished? Uh, outside of all state. And that's all that I really had really cared about that day. <laughs> yeah. I imagine, you know, uh, of course we're, we're well past like the born to run era and, and running without shoes. Like you, so you, I guess you got half of that. Uh, yeah, exactly. is, that some, is that something like that you ever have a desire to do again? Or was it, at least, Hey, at least this is a learning experience that this isn't something I think I'm going to be into moving forward. Um, I don't really feel like I got that experience just cause a was only one shoe and yeah, I was too pissed about the race at the time. <laughs> Um, and I actually, I hadn't read born to run at the time. I, I read it after my sister got it for me as a gift uh-huh. and man, how many pairs of Vibrams has that book managed to sell? You gotta think about it. Is that Seriously. book just a front for selling Vibrams five fingers? Um, yeah, I don't know. He, the book sounds, uh, it was a good read, but I don't know. He, I feel like he buys in a little bit too much into the whole barefoot stuff. You, you said something a, f- a couple of minutes ago about, the burnout that you'll see in, in D one athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to ask you about like the mileage uh, and, and what you were doing in high school and like what the kind of demands were and, and how you took that on. It seems like you adapted fairly well, given that you're not on scholarship. So this is all your own doing. Like you really have to have that effort and that drive. What was that, that part of, of college like for you comparatively to what you had been doing in high school in terms of mileage? Yeah, I actually think I got prepared really well in high school. Our coach was more of a higher mileage coach. So we were probably doing like at our peak, maybe 60, 65 mile weeks in high school, which a, a lot of times you see kids will run like 20 miles a week and then they go to college and the coach is like, all right, well, you're running 80 miles a week now. You better adapt really quick. So uh, I, I think my adaption wasn't, I only had to go up maybe 10, 15 miles a week. So I, I think our coach actually prepared us pretty well for collegiate training. Uh, the only extra thing really was uh, some more morning runs and we did a lot more lifting in college, but I feel like that's a lot easier of a adaptment than just going from 20 to 80 mile weeks, which is nuts for some kids to do. Have you, have you always been someone then that I assume you, your relationship is, is you want to be doing that high mileage? Yeah, for the most part. How did you... So you mentioned engineering, and you you majored in civil engineering. Uh, mm-hmm. My brother, one of my brothers, actually majored at civil engineering also at Nebraska. So like, I know the time and the effort that went into that. What was that balance like for you? Um, and did you find it getting like easier the further you went into college because maybe you were more comfortable with, with the running component? Or did you find it harder just given the demands of that major? I'd say it got harder just because the demands of the major went up once we, I was doing 300 and 400 level classes. A lot of those were just massive time sinks. The one I remember the most was structural engineering, which is now why I, I vowed to never be a structural engineer, which is a, like a subset of civil just because God, that class, it was probably 15 hours of work a week on just one single class. And I'm taking five classes that semester and running. So I'd say it got harder and then it got a lot easy, a lot easier my fifth year when I was only taking one class. <laughs> <laughs> was, was was what you were doing, was that common amongst other runners on the team? Or for lack of a better word, was it easier majors for some of your teammates? No, I feel like a lot of the, I feel like running is a very uh, just nerdy um, hobby in general. It attracts a lot of the, like the engineers. So I think over half of our team 
was some sort of either in engineering or like quantitative analysis or some <laughs> math, some math degree or I don't know, some business degree. So uh, I think a lot of them took hard majors. They were, a lot of them were there to get a hard degree and a, a degree that they can go out and get a job with. And, and is that what you're doing now? Or are you a civil engineer? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. like it? Yeah. For the most part, I enjoy it. What's the, what's the balance like? Um, kind of the similar question I just asked you, but being now an adult and, and working in this field and also trying to balance the running, obviously the, the, the daily grind of, of the, the true team nature is, is going to be gone for you. I know you run for a local club, but like, what, what is that like for you now that you've gotten a few years past college? Yeah, I'd say definitely easier in the fact that don't have to go and after a run do three hours of homework or <laughs> study for a test or do a project. Uh, so definitely having no homework is a lot, a bit, a big time save. Um, other than that, my, my company is actually pretty good for work-life balance. It's pretty much just eight-hour days for the most part. Um, and so I managed to get in my running without too much of an issue of an issue. Like I know some people who have a lot more overwhelming jobs do. Yeah. I, I I've talked to a few people on here. Um, and, and I, I believe it myself as someone who, you know, balances work with, with running is like those that go after like the, like the long miles or those that are just training for races in general, you know, whether it's a, a four hour marathon or a three hour marathon or two thirty marathon or like just the, the, the having to balance the time and to really structure your day in a very particular way makes us harder workers. And maybe I just tell that to myself because I, I want, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything well, but I feel like I have been a better employee for my company since I really got into running at the beginning of 2020 than I was in the years before that. And I don't know if it's just because I feel like I have to balance my time in a more structured, better way. Um, but I, I certainly believe that to be the case. Yeah. I think having structure, even it, it helps both ways. It helps with your job. I feel like you're just better and more focused. And then some, sometimes it even helps with running. Like it's, Sometimes it's easier when you're working to go out and go for a run than on a a lazy Sunday. You wake up, you want to do some stuff around the house. Before you know it's 3 p.m., you haven't run yet. It's hot out. Whereas uh, for me, I'm an afternoon runner. So I just get home from work and I change my shoes and I'm out the door within five minutes. I don't even give myself time to think about it or time to be like, ah, do I really want to run? It's just, it's not even a question. I go out and run right after I'm done with work. So in, in some ways, the structure of work, it, it makes it easier to go out and get a run in. Why are you an afternoon runner? Um, habit. I, yeah. I get a lot of uh, a flack for it from my people that I know, teammates and friends who are runners because they've all converted to morning. But I don't know. I like running, especially in the winter when it's warmer out. <laughs> it, I was going to say the benefit, warmer. the benefit of running in the winter in the afternoon is, is, is like awesome. I cannot imagine what it's like to do it in the summer, though. Well, it's like you said, you just tell yourself that you're built different and that you can handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, brag a little bit on Strava. Uh, What do you you miss most about your time at Nebraska, whether it's, you know, like team-specific stuff or just in general? uh, Running with people every day is definitely the biggest thing. It's harder to go out and go solo every day or go on a treadmill by yourself compared to there's just a group and they're running, so you might as well run with them and just being able to see and talk with your friends every single day, living with them, rooming with them and everything. So that's, that's definitely the biggest thing I miss is just the company of friends every single day. 
What was your relationship like with with running as you get close to finishing school? Like, is there a part of you like I know you, you you're going to do the Ironman right after college. So was was that something that you were like, I'm definitely doing that? Or did you <laughs> leave college at all wanting to, like, take time off and get away from the sport? I took some time off because I, I actually did a fifth year pretty much for the sole purpose of using up track eligibility is just. Uh, my opinion that if I'm looking back later on life, I'm never going to regret using up my last year of track, whereas I might regret going into the workforce a year early and never having that opportunity. Um, so that last year was a, a big grind because I didn't have any cross country. So I didn't have that whole end of year, take a week or two off uh, break. I just sort of grinded through the whole year. So I was, I did start to get a little burnt out by the end. Um, and then I just took some time off with no plans to come back. I actually, I did a six week study abroad after graduating with my now wife and my other friend, um, from Nebraska and pretty much didn't run at all for six weeks plus a week before and after. And then, um, my friend told me, Hey, there's this race in Elmhurst, this two mile race on the track. Do you want to come do it? I was like, you know, I just took two months off of running, right? And he said, yeah, well, just come do it anyway. It's like $10 entry. I'll, I'll pay for it if you don't want it, if you're being a little baby. So I said, all right. I, so I trained two weeks for it, and I did the race. And then I was like, well, this whole running thing is kind of fun, so I'll just keep doing it. Um, as, as far as Ironman goes, I didn't have any plans to do that. That was more of a – I just knew the amount of time and effort it took to hit my PRs in college, so I wasn't sure if I wanted to – chase that again, doing a lot of solo training. Uh, so I figured I could do a triathlon and see a lot of quick gains on the bike and the swim. And it was not a lot nicer to see my improvements there. Whereas in running, I don't know if I would have seen those improvements for a couple of years. So Interesting. That, that's why I did a, a triathlon. One, one more Nebraska question. And then I want to get into that a little bit more. Do you, like, how do you view in hindsight, your, like the success that you were able to have at Nebraska as a runner? Like, how do you look back on what you were able to do um, in races and the, and the growth that you were able to have? Yeah, I'd say if you compare me to the average, like big 10 runner, I probably had less success than some just because Nebraska was one of the worst uh, big 10 running schools at the time. And my recruiting times weren't as good. So I, I feel like I was starting from a lower point than most. Uh, but coming from that, I, I definitely improved a lot. I improved every single year pretty big times, especially in the AK and in uh, other events as well. And it was my goal to make the big 10 meet, which I did on my fifth year. So for my own personal goals, I feel like I, I achieved what I wanted to do there. Yeah. So you said something about the, the Ironman and like deciding to go after and, and the triathlon and going after swimming, going after cycling, because you could make these huge gains. I always, I, you, you hit on something that I think about a lot when I talk to former college runners. And that is like the, how, how like the improvement just gets smaller and smaller mm -hmm. over time. Right. Like I just, I just chopped off another eight minutes on my marathon PR and I would have to imagine that I'm never going to have a big of a jump again, like eight minutes. Yeah, exactly. You know, Cause I, I just got, uh, so I ran a two fifty one high. And so I'm like, okay, I, I can't, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to have one more eight minute jump in me. And so those are going to get smaller and smaller. And so I think about that a lot with college runners who they put in all of that time, they put in all of that effort and the, the gains can, you, you could put in so much work and the gains can be like for a half minute, you know, and it's like, is all of that mm -hmm. worth it? 
I, 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 I maybe I'm just speaking out of turn, but is was that kind of the thought process of let's do these other things because I don't know if I want to put in that much work for quote unquote minimal gains in in my times. That's exactly how I was feeling, and even even recently, like uh, it took me about seven years to break out of the 1450s in the 5K. I had run almost every single individual second in the 1450s i ran like 59 to 58 57 i had never broken it i had run under 14 or under 15 minutes 11 times i had still yet to just break and we're talking like three seconds here two seconds faster and i could just never do it in seven years and then finally this summer is the first time i i broke it and it's like looking back after seven years it took it took me that long to drop like six seconds in a 5k like the gains just get so small and you just have to grind it out for just such small improvements but once you do hit it it feels like the world it feels amazing yeah what was that like when you finally got that 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 was a great feeling because that was that was like my white whale was breaking we were all my friends and i were joking that like i first had to unlock every single different 1450 before i could finally break it because i just kept running a different 1450 um so then that that race i finally did it and i crossed the line and i was actually nervous at first cuz i saw 1449 as i was crossing the line so i was worried that it had ticked over um but it it was ended up being 1449 and then the chip time was 47 so no matter which way you slice it i managed to get it and some kid that follows me on Strava actually came up to me after the race. He's like, oh, are you Pat? I was like, yeah. And he's, oh, yeah, you just ran a 14.47. You broke because he knew I was trying to break 14.50. So uh, I was hyped. <laughs> Very cool. Is that, like the, is that the, like the proudest you've been after a race? Is that like your favorite, you know, of all these time goals that you have had? Is that your favorite one that you've broken so far? Um, I'd say the probably the proudest I've ever felt was uh, it was actually in Nebraska. I ran a 10K on the track. And it was my first 10K ever and my only good 10K ever, which is that, that probably goes hand in hand because I didn't realize how much pain I would be in <laughs> the next race. I did know. Um, but that one, I was only trying to run like a 3115 and I ended up running a 3038. So, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And in the last lap, my coach yelled at me. He said, like, if you run under 70 on this last lap, you're going to be uh, you're going to get on the top 10 all time at Nebraska list. So then that just got in my head. I just took off sprinting that last lap. And as I finished, my coach was like jumping up and down. So that's probably the proudest I've ever felt after a race, but the, the sub 1450 is definitely up there for sure. Oh, that's a great story. Uh, so back to the, the triathlon, what Mm -hmm. was like, had you been into cycling? Had you been into swimming at all? Like what was, was that like truly like kind of baby steps? Like what, what did that look like for you as you're training for that? Yeah, I hadn't really been into either. I mean, I was a competent swimmer and I biked to all my classes in Nebraska. We did, that's just how most of us got around was just biking in between the buildings and whatnot, but I hadn't really gone on any long cycles. Uh, what happened was I was talking to my friend about, and I was joking to him. I said, oh, we should do this 100-mile long race because that's just, I don't know, the type of dumb stuff you sign up for after, when you're done with college running. And then he countered back and he said, no, we're going to get injured for that. Let's just do an Ironman triathlon instead. So we're both like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. And then I signed up and then he saw me sign up and he I, that pressured him into signing up. So I, I was with uh, I was doing it. And my friend and I were both training at the same time, similar area. 
so that we were able to motivate each other. He was a lot more into biking. So he, he was able to show me the ropes for just like getting a triathlon bike and whatnot. And then swimming I hated. So I only trained about once a week for swimming because it's the least time important of the triathlon. Like you, you can train so much for swimming and save five minutes or biking. You can train a lot and save 30 minutes. So I dumped a lot of time into, into my biking and swimming. I just sort of let go to the wayside just enough. So I wouldn't drown on the race. Is it something you'd ever want to do again? Uh, it's funny you ask. Cause when I crossed the line, I said, I'm never doing that. Take a mental note, never do this again. I was telling myself that since about mile 19 and since about mile 90 on the bike. Um, and then a week later I was like looking up races to do in, uh, Arizona because I had just missed the qualifying spot for the world championships. I was like, Oh, if I just do a race in Arizona in like two months, I might be able to get a spot there. I was like, what are you doing? You told yourself never to do this again. So uh, maybe when I'm in like my forties, I don't know, but, uh, no plans to do it in the near future. Yeah. When you, when you look back on it and you, and you think of, I never want to do this again. Is it, is it because of how you felt in the race or was that a cumulative effect of all of the training that goes into doing that during the week? When I was telling myself that in the race, it's because of how I felt in the race, just the most most miserable I've ever been. <laughs> I wanted nothing more of the grass. I just swear I could have fallen asleep right there for five hours. Uh, but then, yeah, even after looking back at it, like I got into the triathlon so I could see gains because it would take a lot of time to train for running. And then I spent twice as much time training for the triathlon anyway. So what did I really gain there? Uh, yeah. Cause I was doing like 14, 16 hour weeks of training and that's not even including like the prep time for biking and swimming is so much more than just to go out the door for a run. So yeah, the, the training time is just too much. I, I can't handle it or I, I guess I handled it, but I don't want to handle it. So you leave that and like, what's your feeling, I guess, on the marathon then moving forward? Was it something that you knew, like, I want to get into just doing a marathon and not having to worry about those other things? Or was there a part of you at all that, that might've been sour to that idea? No, I wasn't sour to the marathon. Um, so right, right after that race, I, that's when I started looking at joining a club in my area, just wanted to have people to train and run with. And the club I joined is most of the clubs in the area actually are just more marathon focused because that's just what most people focus on. So yeah, first year or two, I didn't do a marathon. And then after COVID, I started training for grandma's marathon 2021, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say I, I was just sort of gradually pushed towards it just by everyone else in my club who was running similar times to me. They were all wanting to do the marathon on top of that, that if I ever had a shot at making the Olympic trials, that's the only event I would ever even have a hope of doing it in. So, yep, got to do it in the marathon. There's, is that, I'm not is, that doing something the 5K. You, is that something you think about a lot is the trials? Yeah, it's sort of a pipe dream. I, I do think it, I think it's within my physical capabilities. I think if I train really, really hard for it, which I have been doing this year, I think it, it it's definitely something that's achievable in my lifetime, but I also think it's something that is probably like a five to 10% chance that I, I think I would have to get the perfect conditions, perfect race, and just feel great that day for, to even have a chance at it. 
So how do you weigh, how do you weigh wanting to go after that goal? Um, so if, if there's a five to 10% to chance, there's a, you know, 90 to 95% chance that it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. So like, how do you, how do you go into that goal? So you don't end up in the 90 to 95% and allowing that to like affect you too much mentally, or because like maybe there's an understanding of this is probably not going to happen. Do you, do you not allow that to, to become a thing that could like, I don't know, leave you regretful in 20 years or something? Yeah. I just, uh, I guess ask me in 20 years is the first response. <laughs> Um, next one would be that it, it can't be my only goal for a marathon. And I have to understand that. Like, um, I was saying if I go in CIM and if I go and run, I'm do, that's uh, December 3rd. If I go and run a two twenty one there, can I really be upset about running a massive five minute PR way faster than I thought I could have done a couple of years ago? No, I'm not going to be upset with that. So uh, I just have to have other subsets of goals but that is definitely like the crown jewel goal. Yeah, especially for an amateur runner. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned the local club. That's DW Running, right? Mm-hmm. So what what is like why them? What what was it that drew you into them, and and what have they meant to you uh, over the last however many years? Yeah, uh, so there's three pretty competitive clubs at the time when I was looking at clubs in the area that have people around my age who are running around my times. Uh, one of them fleet feet didn't really have any coaching or the coaching was a bit more minimalist. That was a, a bit more like, we're just going to get to get a group of guys together and they're all going to wear j- the same Jersey at some races. And I wanted something that was more of like a team where you would go and meet up for long runs on Saturdays, workouts on Wednesdays. Uh, so that's what more drove me to, to DW running. I, and I, I sat down with and talked to the coach and I really liked his attitude towards running and I really liked what he had to say. So yeah, that, that's what pushed me to the team. What, what is, what have they meant to you? Like, what does it mean running with this group? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it means a lot because I've a lot of my recent friends that I have most of the, my friends in the area from running are from this club. So, and it means a lot to now have, people that root for you and people that I can root for. Like if I'll, I'll go and track people on the Chicago marathon, that, that just means a lot to have a community that we're all like looking out for each other. We're all doing workouts together. We're all hoping that each other runs good times, little friendly competition at times as well. So yeah, that definitely means a lot to me. What, what, and what is the value? I mean, obviously there has to be an incredibly high value to a group that is not just like, as you said, wearing a, a Jersey at a race, but the, the coach and the ability of a Wednesday workout or a Saturday long run of someone like at that same level, like that, I have to imagine that there is just a large, uh, there's a, there's a large value in, in having that for someone like you who has some really big goals. Oh yeah. It, it's especially the, like the long runs, some of the workouts we get, cause we on a normal long run, there'll usually be a workout built in. I look at it beforehand and I'm just like, how, in the heck am I supposed to be able to do this? But then just once you're in a group and you're rolling with people and you're feeling good, everybody's working towards the same goal. It just makes all the workouts so much easier. And I, I know I've done, there's been times where I can't make a long run or I'm traveling and I see the workout. I'm given the same workout, but I can't even, I'm like 10, 15 seconds per mile slower than what all these guys did together. And I just know that when you're running in a group in a pack on workouts, it's, it makes it so much easier to hit the times that you're trying to hit. 
So you mentioned a couple minutes ago what you're going after in CIM. Like, wh- where do you feel like you're at with the marathon at this moment in time, like physically? And where do you feel like you're at with it mentally? Yeah. So if you ask me before Indy, I would say there's 0% chance that I would even try and go for an OTQ. Um, just because I had never even run a good half marathon. I'd never even run below 70 minutes, let alone, and I would have to run a 109 twice in a row. How am I supposed to do that if I can't even run one 109 one time? So I, I know I needed to get some good key races and workouts. I still think that if I was being smart about it, my goal should be to shoot for a low, a low 220. But I don't know. Who knows? You only get <laughs> Once every every four years to get a, a race like this where everybody's going, everybody in that pack is going to be running 218. So I don't know. Maybe I will just try and hang with the pack as long as I can. If I blow up, I blow up. But at the same time, it's I put in a lot of training and time, so I, I don't really want to go in and blow up um, f- from all this hard work I've put in. So. I'd say it's still TBD on what exactly I'm going to be going after at CIM. But at the very least, it seems like it perhaps could have unlocked something for you, like mentally and and, and then Mm -hmm. obviously how you feel about yourself physically. Yeah, this this past race definitely unlocked even the chance to even think about going after an OTQ. Before the race, if I had run another, like, one own. Well, not another 109 because I'd never even run one. Yeah. But if I had run in the like 109s, I would probably just be aiming for maybe a 222 SCIM. But being able to race um, a time like I did and race feeling really smooth and pretty fresh after that has at least given me some sort of idea of maybe, maybe thinking about going for it. <laughs> so let, let's, you know, not, not to put any ill will on, on the race, but I, I guess I wonder if you, if you end up not hitting it. Is this something that you think you're going to continue to go after four years from now? Just given that that's such a long time, you can change as a person. Your life can change, obviously. Like, is this is this a a true like long term dream, or do you think that this is more of a short term thing right now? I think it's a long term dream. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to hope that in four years I'll still be chasing after an OTQ, regardless of what happens this year. And I think, I mean, for for runners, you only get better as you age until your late thirties. So why not give myself every opportunity to, and I, I have to imagine that I'll still be, I'm hopefully still running the times I do than I am now in four years, hopefully even faster. So yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a long-term goal for me. Cool. You, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned your, your wife who you met at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's she been, what she meant to you along this process, obviously given that she met you in, in college, like she's not going to be surprised that, you know, you, you, uh, you're chasing after big dreams or you're running a lot of miles, given that, you know, that was who you were. Uh, you seem like a very competitive person. What, what has she been like, uh, throughout your relationship as you have, you know, done all these different things, including, you know, a, a triathlon where you're, where you're having to put in so many hours, you know, on the bike or in the pool or out on the trail. Yeah. Well, she's actually a runner to, or she, a former runner. She's retired now. Um, but we met cause we're, we were both on the cross country team in Nebraska um, so yeah, I just heard her in the background. She said convenience. Cause, cause I always joke that, uh, we're, we're both from Illinois too. So I always joke that I only dated her out of convenience. Um, yeah. So she was a runner. So she understands what it's like to, um, just train for train really hard for something. So she, she gets what I'm going for in life. And 
um, yeah, she just means a lot being able to be there, support races as well, even though she's given up the racing mantle. Yeah. Uh, she still understands what it's like. So you're both from Illinois. Did she, did she go to Nebraska then to run? Was that how she ended mm-hmm. up there as well? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's funny. We're both from Illinois. We, we were at the same races and everything we had, but we never met until we went to Nebraska. Huh? Like, so I, cause I was figuring that you did, you know, before I talked to you, like, oh, he maybe grew up a Husker fan or his parents were Husker fans or something like that. But it, but like, I, I guess that wasn't the case. Nope. Yeah. I just <laughs> went out of there just to get a degree. And it's funny that we're both from, uh, Illinois because after like a couple of months of dating or a couple of weeks or whatever, I called my parents. I was like, oh yeah, I'm dating this one girl on the team. Um, and then my dad asked who she is and then he managed to dig up this old photo of her and my sister right next to each other in a, like a, an indoor four by eight on the track. So it's just crazy. We were at the same races and everything and she was racing my sister and we just never met until Nebraska. <laughs> That's great. It's like living in a, in a town and you go to the same grocery store for years and you don't have any idea until mm-hmm. you start dating. God, that's crazy. Uh, what's your favorite part about running? Uh, I, I don't know. I'd say the reward that I get out of it, just the sense of accomplishment from hitting a new time, hitting and not, and not just hitting PRs, just sense of accomplishment after running a good workout. Um, I love being able to run, run with friends, talk with them, joke with them and just all the, all the little things as well. You know, you just go out and you take some Strava segments from some eighth grader and you feel great about it. Uh, so I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something, or it could just be a feeling. I feel like I know the answer to this, but Pat Let's, what are you chasing? I think long-term goal, I'd like to get an OTQ. Yep, that's what I'm chasing. Pat Let's, thanks for joining me today on Chasing 3 Hours. All right, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Pat Let's for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experiences out on the running trail, races, and a whole lot more. Email me at Chasing3Hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend. Chasing3Hours.